Hi everyone, and welcome to the Three Good Podcast, a podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, resilience, well-being, emotional intelligence, and mental health. I'm your host, Sukhpabiao. So this one's coming a bit out of order for when I normally publish a podcast. I'm on a work trip at the minute, and this evening is one of the evenings when I've just taken a complete break from myself, kicking back a bit. And I thought, actually, you know what, it's been a while since I've recorded anything, and it's time just to get a bit back on track. So in this episode, what I want to talk about in particular is being a father in today's world, and being a man in today's world as well. And what I think these, what I think is required, what I think is expected, and what I try to do in this space and how I'm trying to keep up with my own thinking and also trying to keep up to date with what's happening in society at large and where the modern narrative seems to be going towards. So I guess um, the starting place for me for this is an ongoing set of conversations which kind of reached a point last year around the all the revelations with Me Too and the many, many instances since then of women from different quarters sharing their experiences of how men have been sexually harassing them, abusing them, using their male privilege to their advantage in ways which are, which go beyond just your typical harassment and um, discrimination and an ongoing narrative of how that that male privilege has existed for so long that it's so ingrained in society that we accept too many things we accept too many things in the name of that's just men and that's just how they behave I remember when the current um, well I remember when President Trump was running for the office and there was all those comments that he said that were released about him saying things like he can just grab a woman's pussy, about things like it's just, um, how was it? it was described as, uh, the locker room talk, how there were things he said about um, people from different cultures, particularly Mexicans, and how he wants to build this wall to keep them out. And and not just him, but also people like Nigel Farage and the rhetoric he would, and often still does, and also the language he uses about cultures. You know, there was the famous comment he, he made around Claiming that if you want to go for a Chinese, then you say you're going for a chinky. Uh, I mean, just awful language. Um, and not just them, you know, other people as well, using different types of vernaculars and words and language to express themselves in ways where essentially they're trying to make themselves feel superior to others. And I'm picking on the men in particular because... It's men in society who tend to 
create these narratives and they tend to enforce them through their shows, right? Um, and through other means. What it, where, where it all also starts to lead quite rapidly towards this, um, is this concept of masculine fragility. And it's a concept that really worries me. You know, what is it about men in modern society that we think makes them fragile? Why are we describing them in that way? What is it that we can do to improve the narrative around that? And then there's also been some quite serious incidents where there was a shooting in, I think it was in um, in, Canada, um, in America, um, and there was it was claim uh, it, it was part of the um, background to the person who did the shooting to the man who did the shooting was that he identified as what's called an incel. And if you haven't heard that term before, it's um, it's shorthand for something called for someone called an involuntary celibate, uh, meaning that somebody who's not having sex and it's not out of their choice, um, therefore the term involuntary celibate, and apparently there's a whole underground dark web set of discussions that take place around these incels. So essentially the incels are uh, a, a wide group of men who are using these forums to talk to each other about how much they hate women and how much harm they want to cause women and not just causing harm to women but quite violent quite destructive and you know seriously just um, harmful intent and desire against women you know, talking in terms of rape, talking in terms of, you know, wanting to kill an unborn baby in a woman's womb, talking about um, how there there are women out there who are, you know, dictating them, and how there's only a certain type of guy called a what do they call him? I can't remember, uh, but apparently there's like a, a term for. Um, a certain type of guy who these certain types of women are attracted to it's so steeped in not even stereotype and it's not even myths it's just such a such a harmful way of thinking that you you, it's so hard to see how are they supposed to be growing as healthy men and one of those uh, somebody who who identified as an incel went out and um I, I forget the um, actual instance. I, I, I don't remember if he killed one per, if he killed one woman or if he killed more. Uh, but certainly he he made note and said that it was because he identified with that kind of group of men. And then you also kind of look to see how other things like in recent times. Um, if we take, for example, the the movie Star Wars, the most recent one, no, not the most recent one, that would be Solo, it wasn't that one, the, the, um, the Star Wars The Last Jedi, 
and in there you had a uh, a female character who was given quite a prominent role not just her a couple of uh, there was at least two or three who were given quite prominent roles in the movie and there are lots of men who really railed against the prominence of these women in those roles in Star Wars and they were talking about how they've ruined the movie and that they've completely um yeah you know, they they want to boycott the franchise now because there seems to be some political correctness about the film which is being enforced by the women woman um you know creative director at um at Disney and she's enforcing these opinions on the directors and the production of the film and how it's ruined the the whole franchise for them and you kind of listen to these things you know and people have you know there's some men who've gone out of the way to write these notes to their um, you know to to kind of the senior people at um Disney and what have you and you and, and I just read these things and I just think wow that's just I I didn't like for one I didn't know that that there was such hatred towards women in the many ways that we see and experience in society in current society makes me wonder how long it's been there for i mean these things don't just happen people don't just start thinking in these ways you know the narratives around these types of things aren't things which suddenly just happen either clearly these are being built up in some way over years but also it's you know at the more kind of subtle level the programs that we watch the advertisements the um way that we are schooled the way that we you know are treated at work the uh, many different ways that we you know uh, consume the news what does any and all of that tell us about what it is to be a man in today's society and how men can either be uh, vulnerable or not you know i also think about the example of Terry Sh- Terry Crews the black actor who recent uh, you know when the me too campaign um, really kicked off he shared his story from the perspective of a man and in um, in recent months he testified about how he was sexually assaulted by a director and how it made him feel and one of the responses he had back was from the um from the rap artist 50 cent who tried to make fun of Terry's experience and how he needed to be a man and needed to man up about stuff i mean that was quite that, that's just also just makes me wonder about why is there such why is there such a um disgust almost why is there such uh, ill feeling towards men who experience these things Uh, and then i also think about men who suffer from mental health issues and aren't allowed to talk about their mental health or they're not allowed to talk about their emotional health i know some men um who are friends of mine and who who are able to talk about those things and i also read about very many okay very many men who find it really hard to openly share about what what they're experiencing what their mental health is and how they are able to either discuss what what they're going through or they're not able to 
And all of that just kind of makes me really sad and wonder about how, where have we got to in society where we, we don't allow men to feel validated in having emotions. There's such a strong set of circumstances all around that, and it really, it really does concern me. Uh, I mean, not just because of the, um, uh, I mean, sometimes it can be some very, very um, tragic outcomes when, not outcomes, wrong word, sometimes there can be some really tragic events that happen when, um, not even events, that's the wrong word as well, but um, sometimes there can be some really tragic things that can happen when men who do not feel that they can discuss these things in safe ways end up doing quite, causing themselves quite severe harm. That can be through different things like um, alcohol addiction, drugs addiction. Um, it can be through things like self-harm, uh, through to even you know, attempts at suicide or even or even um, actually just killing yourself and or, or dying by suicide and that can be you know all of that is such so so harmful and and yet what we seem to do is we seem to not glamorize but we seem to talk about those things as if it's okay if those things happen because that's how men deal with their problems and you kind of listen to that kind of thinking or that line of logic and you just go I go, you know, I just think, I don't even know how that's acceptable. Why is it acceptable that for a man to deal with his emotions or deal with his mental health, he has to cause himself harm or cause others harm, and that's what we accept as a way of dealing with with, uh, with things. Whereas if they are willing to go through counselling, willing to be open um and um authentic and generous in what they think what they feel how they talk about themselves how they talk about other men how it's all mired in a, a quite a negative outlook and it's very rare that we that we show what the positive of that can be what the what the best of that can be and that's just really sad to me not just sad but it's just really bewildering that we have such a culture of the male narrative that we don't allow men to have healthy fun ways to experience being a man that if you're if you're having a hard time as a man you're not meant to talk about things i just don't know where that i don't know where that comes from i've been quite fortunate through my upbringing my friends my family that i have been allowed to express myself and so I've always felt quite comfortable and confident in how I express my emotions, being very open to talk about my emotions and not seeing it as a failure or as a, or as a weakness that I choose to do that. And I've also had um, I've had the good fortune of having friends who I've been able to have those kind of conversations with and we haven't chastised each other, we haven't judged each other for those types of conversations. And and it, and it worries me that there's so many men out there who don't know how to do that. They don't know how to have those conversations in healthy, safe ways. Um, I mean, you know, there's there's 
all the, uh, the the narrative I just described around all the kind of acceptances I described around how um, typically men are expected to deal with stuff with alcohol, with going to a football game or, um, you know, and getting drunk there or going down to the pub and having al- having a drink or, you know, having a, um, a quiet glass at home or something. You know, that using alcohol to be able to deal with your emotions is not a healthy way to deal with your emotions. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, being made fun of when you're, if, if you try and talk to, or the perception that if you try and talk to your male friends about stuff, that you, you know, that you have to almost apologize for having emotions as a man. It's just, it's just absolutely just, it really does just blow my mind when I just, I, I just genuinely can't think, how is this, how is it, how, how are we functioning as a society where that's the way we think that these conversations have to go? Um, so I guess what I wanted to do was I wanted to share my own thoughts and my own behavior as a, as a man and as a father, because what I really am cautious around and what I'm very mindful of is, is that it's, I have small children. Well, I say small, but, you know, they're kind of small. So I have, um, I have twin boys who are 11 and my daughter who's eight. And what I'm really conscious of with them is that I want them to experience um, a really positive example of what it means to be a man in today's society. And what I, and I, I do that by trying to focus on how do I help them to know when what I'm feeling? How do I help them to know how I express myself? You know, so what I, try, what I try to be really careful of is I try not to shut them down or try to shut myself down if I'm ever feeling frustrated or angry. Uh, you know, as a father, it's quite natural that um, there are certain things that they can and do do that I do get just sometimes frustrated and annoyed about. What I try not to do is shout at them about it or get overly annoyed about them about stuff and instead try to express my frustration or annoyance so that they understand that dad is feeling something and he's told us what he's feeling so sometimes i might just be um, i might just say look right now i i'm quite annoyed at something that's happened and i'm just going to um lie down for about 5 minutes or 10 minutes or something or i'm going to go and do something for 5 10 minutes then i'm going to come back and we're going to i'd like i want to talk about it some more and I hope that when I try and explain things in those ways, it allows them to understand that that that's what that's that's an okay way to express yourself. Uh, similarly, when my when my kids go through um, yeah, arguments with the, with each other as they do because they're they're, you know, they're kind of young children and um, you know sibling rivalry happens a lot. You know, one of the things I try to exper- explain is that. It's perfectly okay to be angry with each other or to be annoyed um, or frustrated with one another. And what matters is it matters how you respond to each other. So it's okay to have the emotion and we should never shut that down. But what's not okay is shouting at each other, hitting each other, you know, anything like that. And instead, what I try to get them to do is to try and talk to each other. That is not always successful, I'll be absolutely honest, 
there are some times it does work and they are able to talk about stuff. And one of the things I'm really tr- uh, su- supportive of with them is that they try and do that more and more with each other. What I also recognise is that that has to be regular activity. It can't just be a one-time conversation of, well, I've told you to act like this, now I expect you to be hi- behave like that. You know, that's that can be a line of thinking that I have had previously. And what I've started to learn and realise is that that's not necessarily healthy. And because, you know, well, nobody really reacts well when they get told, this is what you've been told, and now I expect you to behave like this. And instead, there needs to be a much more involved conversation of, well, this is what's happened. This is the impact you've had with your brother or sister. And now you need to... Now we need to talk about what you're going to do next and you know what you think you can do, what they can do as well. And 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 so again, I, what I'm hopeful for there is that there's a there's a better way of thinking around troubles and around annoyances as siblings, so that when they grow older, and you know, I, I recognise this is going to take time, and I don't see it happening right now necessarily, but one of the things I'm hopeful for is that there's is a better way for them to express their emotions. And I want my daughter to experience that so she understands that there is there are positive ways that men can talk about their emotions. And I want my sons to experience that as well. The other thing that I'm quite um, careful about as well is how uh, the language I use when I choose to talk about f- um, frustrations. Yeah, I try not to um, use language which is foul language, you know, so I try not to swear, I try not to talk about um, criticisms, um, not directly. You know, what I try to do is I try to help them to know that there's a certain way of using language which which they can use to express themselves. And um, interestingly, I see my daughter to do this quite well, where, um, you know, sometimes she'll sometimes get quite uh, shy about wanting to talk about if she's crying about something. And and so I just have to sit with her and just you know kind of hold, hold her and and we talk and and I say look it's okay you can tell me and we talk about stuff and I I and then she does tell me and what I try you know what I'm just trying to really constantly be mindful of is making sure that she knows that there's it's okay that she can talk to me as a father as well as being able to talk to her mother as well and that it's not that both um, my sons and my daughter understand that it's not just mum that they can talk to about their problems but they can also talk to dad about their problems as well and you know either of us can help them to figure out the stuff that they're going through and that's a healthy place for us to be um the other day i read an interesting really really fascinating piece by um i i i I, and i'm not sure how to pronounce her name um, probably because I haven't ever actually seen any of her stuff, but a lady named Padma Lakshmi, who's a US celebrity, who talked about sexual assault that happened to her when she was younger. And in the piece that she wrote, she talked about how she tries to let her children know what's acceptable in terms of um, um, in terms of uh, their sexuality and. Um, the ex, um, and uh, the protection they should have around their their private areas, and it really uh, you know I've been having these conversations with my daughter and with my sons 
for quite a long time. And I fully recognise there's, there's a number of factors around that which are important and absolutely vital. That it's not just dependent on my, um, on the kid's mother, mother to have those conversations. It's not dependent on, um, uh, on my wife to have to be the one who has those conversations. I, as their father, am also concerned about their protection. Again, uh, I'm also concerned about their dignity. And I want them to be um, safe and I don't want them to ever feel that they can't talk to me about anything that might happen to them in terms of sexual abuse because I fully recognise that no one's immune to it. Unfortunately, we're in a society where there's any number of things that can happen to boys and girls and that they both need to understand what is, what. What are what is equal? Um, not equal. What is uh, acceptable, and what is um, what is unacceptable, and you know, very very clear with them around uh, the boundaries of where people, what people can ask for you, of you, and what they can't ask of you. And when they were younger, I could say to my boys, you know, quite clearly, you just you know, don't let anyone touch you in your privates. If they do. And you ha- it's very okay for you to come and tell mum and dad, and we can help, uh, and we can make sure that the person who does, who has done that, never does it again because it's wrong, and no one should be doing that to you. And also being very clear about them in, in, to- in terms of things, saying things like, you know, the only person who, um, uh, or rather, it, yeah, it's um, 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 as parents, we like we we can help you clean yourself if you need to but actually as you're getting older you can do that yourselves and we don't need to do that anymore um like oh yeah also when they're having showers and that kind of you know um, baths and what have you um and now as they as my boys are now starting secondary school having to have further conversations with them especially because they're now in um also using online gaming and starting to have really clear conversations with them as well about um, the way that potential grooming can happen. So not talking about grooming as such, but just letting them know that sometimes they may end up talking to people that they may not know, and they may ask them to do things that are that they, they shouldn't be, and they don't have to adhere to any of that. You know, they don't have to listen, they don't have to. If anybody asks them anything, they don't have to do anything that they can let us know as their parents. And, um, and also, you know, with going to secondary school, that there's ways to be able to um, just talk about what can happen with sometimes school children aren't all, all as well behaved as we'd like them to be. So, you know, very many different ways and circumstances in which I'm really mindful as a, as a father what my responsibility is and how I'm having those conversations so that they uh, they have a positive experience of me as a father but not just because I want them to have a positive experience of me as a father. I want, I, I fully recognise that this can, and I'm hopeful it does, influence them for their future selves, so that when they grow up, that they see that there's a, a way of being and a way of um, supporting others in in life and in society. And when that happens, you can um, uh, you, you can have a positive impact. On others, and that's hopefully a, a continued um, good thing that I, I will be able to explore with them. 
I mean, it's going to be quite a ongoing challenge around stuff because I'm also having to regularly learn about what they're going through as children, you know. That seems to be a constant learning curve I, I go through where I realise that yeah, a certain level of conversation could be had at one time and as they're growing older, they are also able to understand things in a bit more sophisticated and in a bit more um, intelligent ways. And so it demands a different level of conversation. So I, I wanted to share that some of the stuff about how I act as a father, some of the things I think about and some of the things I believe as a father. I also want to talk about how I how I'm, I'm starting to, over recent years, what I what I think I've evolved in terms of my thinking as a man in society as well. You know, so one of the things that has become quite clear to me over recent times is that there's a, there's a very clear narrative about um, the entitlement that men have um, over women and the harm that causes men in society. And it's it's so prevalent through the jokes that we share, the you know supposed banter that we have as you know, amongst guys about women, uh, the ways that you know, we talk about things like relationships, marriage, um, expectations of each other as men in society. Um, you know, all of these things they they have very very clear impacts on how we develop and how we think as men you know I, I i think back to you know my early 20s i guess talking to and meeting up with my guy friends quite regularly and you know you'd have jokes and what have you a lot of those jokes were not just sexist jokes but quite harmful actual sexual sexist jokes as well where it's and at the time you know there was no one to challenge that thinking so you just kind of end up thinking yeah this must you know this kind of joking must be okay i mean clearly it never was but there was never anyone in our group to challenge any one of us to say hey guys i don't think it's right to talk about hitting a woman and making that a joke that doesn't seem like it's a good thing to joke about you know, no one ever said that and it was such an accepted way of acting and behaving with each other that it wasn't really ever something we thought was bad. And it absolutely speaks to the harm, harmful way of thinking. Um, but the, you know, the very just kind of the, the, um, the sense of entitlement that we had around, we can talk about this, we can joke about this. We know we wouldn't ever actually do it, but we can joke about it and that's okay and i look back on it and i think about it and i just go wow that's i i can totally see how there are men in today's society who see absolutely nothing wrong with uh with the with the way that they've been acting up until you know for, for all this time and now suddenly there's a problem with stuff and what I realized is that, no, it's not suddenly there's a problem with stuff. There's always been a problem with the way that men have been allowed to act with each other. And what's, what's been, um, what's been un really unhealthy is that there's never really been anyone to help us know otherwise. 
But actually, what what I've really started to realise lately is it was very rare I had a male, any positive male influence where I was challenged in my thinking by other men. Often, if I was being challenged in my thinking around what I might have thought or what I might, how I may have acted towards women, it was by other women. And and that's quite telling, right? Because it's it's not a woman's responsibility to have to tell a man how to act. That should be very incumbent on a man. But then what you suddenly realise is that if the men in your social circle, in your family circle, in your working circle, if they are all um, acting in certain ways and they're reinforcing certain sets of behaviours, it just becomes ridiculously hard then to know that you you might be in the wrong. Because why would you think you are in the wrong when everyone is... They're not even telling you that you're right. They're just reinforcing such a set of behaviours that it doesn't it doesn't feel anything other than right. I also want to be uh, kind of um, clear in that I, I, I'm I don't I'm not talking about this to absolve myself of anything that I've ever um, done or said, which which either has been harmful or uh, may have ever been perceived as harmful or abusive or harassing or um, hurt, hurtful in any kind of way. You know, what I've learned over the kind of last, I guess I've been actively, more actively working on this stuff over the last kind of four years or so in myself is there's a there's a whole set of way of thinking that I recognise that I've been part of that I really need to challenge in myself. And a lot of that's been around the the sense of privilege that men have over women. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess th- there's a certain perspective I have as well of this, which is I see this also from a English perspective as well as a Indian perspective. And that's because I've had the benefit of and the privilege of growing up in both those cultures. And, um, and, and you know, so in Indian culture, men are seen as more superior to women. And it's a really, really interesting set of thinking because it's uh, it's reinforced very, very strongly by Indian women just as much as it is by the men. And there's been there there have been attempts in um, in modern men in modern uh, Bollywood films. So if you're not if you've not heard the term Bollywood films, it's the Indian film. Um, production world, and there have been there have been quite a number of very very well made films in Indian cinema where they do challenge those notions of men male control over women, and it's been quite a tough set of films to watch because it, they really do just go to the heart of what the problems are, you know, all the way from how um, babies are viewed in terms of. Uh, Boy, boys and girls um, in terms of how marriage happens in terms of the favouritism very strongly in favour of the boys over the women um, men over the women I should say um, through to the ways that men are expected to behave in Indian society um, and what women are expected to do and you know, very strong expectations in Indian society that as a grown man uh, you're, you are the one who goes out and does the 
breadwinning and provides a house and all that kind of stuff. And if you don't, then you're almost failing as a man because if the woman is doing it, then you've got your, you've got everything wrong. That's pretty much exactly how it's thought about. Uh, I think those things are nuanced in how English English culture tends to view men in that there tends to be much more independence of what a man is meant to do. And um, and if they do get into a relationship with with women, then there's a there's a lads culture thing, which is around, well, I'm allowed to go see my lads. I can go out and get pissed with them whenever I want. You know, um, if I... Um, if I come back drunk and want sex, then that's acceptable. Yeah, um, you know, we, we're going to go out and um, we're, we're not going to talk about our emotions necessarily. I might only tell you, my partner, how I might feel, but I'm not going to tell anybody else. There's a whole set of behaviours there which are just really, really unhealthy. And so there's, it, it's taken me quite a it's taken me quite a lot of reflection, quite a lot of thinking about, well, who am I then as a man? What are the things I believe? And, you know, on my blog, I have written about those things as well. And what I've also realized quite strongly is, is that I am, I am I'm not only comfortable, I believe um, I have a duty to openly talk about what I think, what I feel as a man, um, not being afraid of being able to express that in different ways. So very regularly in conversations in um, in the work environment, I will talk about how I feel about the impact things have on me. You know, so if I if I think that someone's done something really um, well, then I will quite openly talk about that. You know, I'll quite openly express my appreciation for others' efforts, for the outcomes of what they do, for um, uh, for for any kind of good work that I recognise as being done. And and what I, uh, you know, in kind of just normal kind of social settings in the workplace as well, just being very, very careful about how, how, how I, um, how I act with, with other people. You know, so um, if I ever hear any kind of negative or destructive stuff about any groups or anything like that, I'm quite careful to make sure that, one, I don't want to take part in those conversations, uh, and two, letting people know as well that, yeah, that's just not something I'm going to take part in and I don't agree with it at all. Um, I mean, I, I guess I've been kind of fortunate in that I haven't had to be as vocal about that in some instances and I, I guess there's just another part of me there which is also just recognizing that I, I have more of those conversations probably in in social media because I, I tend to have such a broad range of stuff that comes into my feed that I want people to know that they that that not only do I think in 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 ways which I want to um, advocate for a better way of male health in the in in society that and, and that there's a way that I can express that which hopefully helps others to know that they can express it too so that we have a better evolved narrative about 
any and all of this stuff. Um, and you know, when I um, when I uh, have the opportunity to talk at conferences and what have you, or have a platform to talk where I know the forum I have is is likely to mean that there's a broad range of people that uh, are around. I'm quite clear in myself that I can use that platform to make comments as well around the importance of having these types of conversations and not being afraid as a man to to be fully invested in having those conversations. You know, because uh, what I recognise is that the more the more regular these conversations happen, the more normalised those be- conversations become. And the more acceptable it is to have those conversations so that people do realise and that men in particular do realise that they can express themselves in certain ways. It's okay to do that. It doesn't make them weak. It doesn't make them vulnerable to attack. And if there are people who choose to do that, if there are people who choose to do, who do choose to attack you, then clearly you know they're not the right people for you in your life. And clearly you know that they're that there are people to avoid you know there's uh, I'm quite careful in my own kind of self-care to make sure that I limit the level of um, trolling that I choose to read about that happens on the internet and that can happen through social media because I get so one I get so incensed by some of it but two it just really um, drags me down yeah, I just get I, I get so mired into stuff. I can go r- right down into rabbit holes, where I, and then all I start to recognise is that I can if I try to start to respond to some of those things, it's it's, it's only ever going to come from a place of um, immediate reaction, and I'm probably not going to express myself in the right way. So I, I do tend to pick and choose when I do want to do that as well. Um, the other thing that uh, I'm quite clear on as well is that I am very clear that I am absolutely pro-women and I am, I guess that means that I am a feminist as well and what I'm clear about in that sense is I do not see women as a threat to me as a man <laughs> and it really sounds weird to say that out loud but it's and I don't understand how there are men out there who see feminism as a threat to masculinity. I don't see how there are women who see... Uh, no, sorry. I don't see how there are men who see that if you're a um, a woman who is uh, arguing against the patriarchy that they experience, that that becomes a threat to them as, as a man. It just... It absolutely just blows my mind. It's like... They, you know, women are very, um, uh, uh, n- not just validated, but have the, f- uh, we should not be trying to quiet a woman's voice just because we think it's going to make, they're going to say something uncomfortable about their experience. We should hear those experiences. We should hear those voices. We should hear those opinions. Because if we don't, how are we expected to grow as individuals? How we how are we expected to grow as a society if we only want to hear a certain type of voice? Because certainly that's that's my thinking on it, is that if we only want women to say things in a certain way 
um, about certain topics and they're not allowed to talk about other topics, then how are we growing as a society? I mean, recently in the last couple of weeks, there's been some weird uproar about um, uh, about a sport having women-only commentators. Right? Uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, that's that's fine. That really makes no difference to my life. If you know, if they can talk about the sport, then why shouldn't they talk about the sport? And yet, there are very many men who are really affronted by this. It's it's like it's a personal attack on them that they're not going to have any male commentators about the sport that they want to watch. And it it comes back to this concept of male fragility, masculine fragility, where I just go, where I just think to myself, how have we allowed ourselves to become so? Um, what's the word? Uh, so sensitive as men to women having much more expanded roles in society that we become threatened by that. It just absolutely shake. I, I shake my head at so much of this. Um, you know, last week I was reading around uh, the Twitter threads on the hashtag "Why I Didn't Report." I mean, it's absolutely disheartening to hear about so many stories about women who have been abused in lots of ways, in different ways, when they were younger, when they were older, throughout their lives, and how they have to, how they've chosen to not say anything because they never ever thought that any, um, anything, any justice was ever going to get served. And that's not because the justice system can't allow for that but it's because the justice system is so weighted towards the patriarchy that it is far too difficult for women to ever ever receive any justice out of that so there's quite a bit of stuff here which i've been talking about um, actually, no, I've got more to say about um, about being pro-women as well. I never, ever want to think or be in a situation where it is, it is ever thought that um, we are being tokenistic about stuff or, or that we are, um, that by, um, uh, by only acting in certain ways that we don't, that we can't support women to be in the roles that we want them to be. There's just, there's so much about how we act in society towards women that it shames me as a man that that's how we are. It shames me as a man to know that's what I've upheld in quite a lot of ways myself as well. And where I'm focused now is that I really want to make sure that I'm quite clearly talking about things in a way which is very, not just inclusive, but also challenging of the norms as well that we have accepted. You know, there's so much work to be done in this space to help make sure that any any time that there's a narrative of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman... And if one is um, breaking those stereotypes over another, then 
you know, that they're doing something wrong in society. Uh, I, I don't want to be the kind of guy who enforces those or reinforces those kind of myths or those kind of, you know, um, stereotypes. Because I just don't see how that's going to be helpful to anything in society. Uh, so I, I guess this kind of um, is a good place to draw things together. There's there's a lot of stuff to continually think about here. I, I in no way think that I'm done with my thinking in any of these spaces. There's regularly evolved, ongoing thinking I want to make sure that I keep with here. There's a lot of people in my Twitter feed uh, who I respect for their voices and their opinions and what I'm hopeful for is that it means that as a, as a society we can continue to have better conversations about what it means for what male health means and the ongoing discussions around what that is and also around making sure that we we don't continue or rather at some point we accept that it, we can stop talking about masculine fragility and talk about male health as the positive outcome that we're looking for um, uh, and then you know also just being really cautious and comp um, appreciative of the fact that we can and it's okay to talk about um, women with strength and with appreciation and not having to feel threatened by that in any kind of way uh, against us as as men so uh, quite a lot there to have shared. Um, uh, as always, I'm fascinated to know if this causes you to think, if it, if you have your own thoughts <clears throat> about any of these um, things that I've spoken about today. And uh, genuinely quite interested to know um, what your thoughts are. So please do you know, respond back either through the podcast um, comments or through uh, social media, or getting in touch through email as well. Um, and uh, otherwise, uh, as always, I hope um, this has been a, a helpful piece to explore, and uh, I look forward to catching you all on the next episode. Take care, everyone.